Just because you've been set free doesn't mean that you'll stay free. I recently had the chance to go whitewater rafting. I love the outdoors. I love a good adventure. And uh, I've been a few times whitewater rafting. And this most recent time, I had the pleasure of rafting with uh, a number of guys who are also adventurous and ready to have uh, a, a more wild ride. So we told the guy, we said, listen, we want to go hard. Like, we want to flip, and we want to do tricks, and we want to, like, have, a, like, an adventurous, fun ride here. And so he said, right on. And so we are having a great time, and, and we're, we're uh, of course, rafting through different rapids and there was these opportunities three in fact where we were able to uh, do what's called riding the bull which means that the person one of the persons gets to sit on the front of the raft on, um, and basically have your legs dangling over into the water uh, and then you like hold on to a rope but I mean anything um, I mean, you don't have any support, really. So, uh, and as you're going through the rapids, I mean, you're, it's like you're riding a bull, and, and every single time you, you end up falling. Um, but, but hopefully you would fall back into the boat instead of out of the boat. So uh, two of my buddies went first, and I had the third opportunity to go on the last rapid. And, uh, and oddly enough, the name of this rapid was Hell's Corner, and the, uh, the, the guide... Uh, knew that I was a priest, and he said, okay, well, this is really going to prove what kind of a priest you are. <laughs> so the pressure was on, and um, but I was ready for the challenge, and so I got onto, uh, onto the front of the boat, and I'm ready. I'm so ready, and, and we're going through the rapids, and of course, I mean, the, the way it goes, like, the first two rapids, you're all right, and then, like, you, you just, the boat, like, gets airborne, and then when it comes down, I mean, there's just, like, no way for you to stay on. So, it happens, and I had watched the two guys before me. They fell back into the boat, and so I told myself, I'm not doing that. I, if I'm going to fall off, I'm falling forward. I'm falling out, because I'm staying on. That's my goal. Sure enough, I mean, classic. I mean, at the, the exact time that you would expect it, I fall out of the boat, but I hold on to that rope, and I'm holding on and just like, just going along down the rapids with everyone. They don't even realize it until finally my head pops up. They're like, whoa, like, what's he doing? And so my buddy like grabs me and like pulls me into the boat as we were trained to do, uh, and, he, and he rescues me from the rapids. And there's still a little bit more of Hell's Corner to go. And so I like, this is my chance. Like, I, I don't want to miss out. Like, I feel like I've already gotten gypped. So, like, I want to get back onto the, the edge of the boat and finish my ride victorious. And so I, I just, like, as soon as I'm back into that boat, the first thing I do, I just get right back on to the front of that boat, and I'm ready to go again. And before I can even blink, I'm off the boat completely this time. I just like slipped off it. Like I, it wasn't even the rapid. It was just my like my excitement. I got so excited I overshot and I just slipped right off back into the rapids. This time not holding on and um, and just completely missed my chance to um, to finish the rapids. But just because I was set free, I didn't stay free. Just because you've been rescued from the rapids doesn't mean that you will remain safe from the rapids. And that's kind of the story of Israel, too. You see, 
the people of God in the Old Testament, the Hebrews, were enslaved in Egypt. We know this story. They were enslaved for many years, and they, they had to work for the Egyptians, and they, um, the Egyptians told them when to eat and what to worship, and they, they even worshipped the pagan gods of Egypt, which were mostly animals. And we know the story. Moses comes. And uh, God sends his messenger, and he sets them free. That's the Passover that uh, the Jews celebrate, even today. The, the great feast of the Passover, where they were set free from Egypt. But just because they were set free, doesn't mean that they would stay free. Because what we see in the Old Testament, over and over again, is the people falling back into their own way of life. You see, God took Israel out of Egypt at the Passover. But Egypt still remained inside of Israel. God had to purge the people of Israel of Egypt throughout the Old Testament. One of the ways he did that is that he took the very thing that they worshipped and he told them in very detailed, ritualistic Ways on how to sacrifice that and offer it up to the one God. So, so we see these animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. A lot of that seems like, why would, like, why do they do that? It just seems so arbitrary. Because they were worshiping animals, and now God is trying to purge Egypt out of the people of Israel. And so the very thing they sacrificed, God says, okay, I need you, the very thing they worshiped, I'm sorry, the very thing they worshipped, God says, I need you to sacrifice that to me. And, he off, and, and so the people of God are doing these animal sacrifices as a way of renouncing their old way of life. Renouncing the old pagan gods that they once worshipped. And choosing habitually, ritualistically, continually choosing the one God of Israel. And in the New Testament... Something interesting happens. You see, Egypt was finally out of, the, out of Israel from an external point of view. Finally, the people of God were, were very committed to these animal sacrifices to the one God. But on the inside, Egypt was still there. On the inside... They were still worshipping, not animals, but instead something far worse. They were worshipping themselves in the sin of their own pride. And so God became man to set them free of this experience. Jesus Christ came into the earth in order to have a new Passover, Calvary, where God doesn't sacrifice an animal, but instead sacrifices himself to set us free from the rapids of hell's corner. But just because we've been set free doesn't mean that we'll stay free. And so God knew this. He knew that we would still need to be purged of that self-worship that we are so addicted to. And so on the night before he died, he instituted a concrete, tangible way for us to fight against that temptation. On the Last Supper, the night before he died, Jesus takes bread and he tells his disciples, This is my body. Do this in memory of me. 
his body will be given up for you. He takes a chalice of wine and he says, this is my blood, which will be given up for you. But not just to be remembered once, to be given up. Do this in memory of me. Now you have a ritual, a concrete way for you to sacrifice the thing that you were worshiping so that you can habitually worship the one true God forever. To be set free and to stay free from the sin of worshiping self so that by the blood of Jesus, we can now worship God. And this is really our own story too. I hope and I pray that each of you have had at least one moment in your life where God became real to you. Many of you might even have more than that, but at least one. Where God made his presence known to you in a powerful way. I hope you've had at least one. But just because you've had one or two or 18, doesn't mean that you will stay free automatically. We have to choose to stay free. And that happens through the sacrifice of the Mass. That happens by re-entering into that one eternal moment where God truly set us free. My own story is the same. Some of you may have heard my story. In fact, it was uh, posted on a podcast on our Facebook page uh, recently. So if you want the full details, you can go um, and listen there. But I'll give you the short version. I, I'd grown up always Catholic and I always knew God loved me, but the Eucharist never really became real to me until I graduated high school the summer afterwards, June 27, 2009. And I remember that I was at a retreat. It was a youth retreat. And on one of the nights of this retreat, there was a time where the Eucharist was put on display. And the whole room fell down and worshipped. And it was during that time of worship that I had a tangible experience of God's divine power rushing through me, deeper than my veins. I knew that it was God himself in a way that I could not have made up or chosen. Just freely given in a mysterious reality, I don't, I'm still unpacking and it's still mysterious on why God would choose me for this experience, but nonetheless, by the end of that reality, I left a different person. And I knew forever that the Eucharist is Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is alive and real. And no matter what you tell me, no matter what scientist you quote, no matter what experience you share, you cannot take that away from me because I know it's Jesus. And my life was forever changed. And then I went to college. And although I, I know that the Eucharist is real, I know God's love for me. I know the teachings of Jesus and the church. I slipped into some serious sin in college. And I kept slipping over and over again 
into serious sin. And I felt like I had one foot in and one foot out. And the great torment of this, because I had other friends doing the same thing, but the great torment was that I knew, I knew what I was turning away from. And for whatever reason, I could not, with all of my might, choose Jesus. I kept slipping away with great torment and great sorrow. Until one year for Lent, I decided that I was going to go to Mass every single day. Every single day, Monday through the next Monday. And in addition, I would spend at least 20 to 30 minutes in the chapel, the Adoration Chapel, in the presence of the Eucharist. And of course, if I'm going to be going to Mass every day, I'm going to have to go to confession pretty often in order to be able to receive, especially with the life that I was living. But it was through that habitual and daily process of choosing God, of sacrificing my own self-pride on the altar of Jesus Christ that I eventually was healed and set free from that way of life. But even today, I know that it's just a matter of a moment for me to slip back away if I am not careful. That it's only by the power of Jesus, it's only by His precious blood, that I have any hope to remain in Him. And it could happen to any one of us. To slip back away, to slip back into Egypt. But the good news is that God gave us a way to be purged of Egypt every single day. To be set free and to be kept free in His love. Only in the Eucharist do we truly find freedom. Only by the power of Jesus do we have any real hope for change. And any real hope for intimacy with God. And that's what we're celebrating today. And so I invite you now to consider this one question. Do you recognize your pride? Do you recognize your pride? If you don't recognize it, that's a red flag. It's a very dangerous spot to be in because I tell you, we all have pride. I don't care how close you are to Jesus, we all have it on this side of heaven. And if you can recognize it, that's half the battle. The next half is for you to lay it on the altar and sacrifice that pride, sacrifice that self-worship so that it may rise up to the Lord so that we may be set free and so that we may be kept free. And so that's what we're going to do for the rest of this Mass. That's what we're going to do each time we come to Mass is that we are coming here to the altar to make a sacrifice, the sacrifice of self-worship in pride so that God can truly show us what freedom and intimacy really looks like. Amen.